It's time for another edition of the DDT Show, covering everything you need to know in the world of sports. Here are your hosts, David Coyer, Dane McElwee, and Trevor Davis. You think you know me. After some slight delay, we are here. It's happening. It's the first episode of the DDT show. You know, we're college students. We're busy. We have work, class, and stuff. All of us, you know, like to get our stuff done. And we're all just busy guys with our extracurriculars as well. So we were going to do it yesterday, but we're moving it to today. That's right. It's the DDT show episode one in podcast format. We sent you the trailer on Friday, and now we're ready to get things rolling with the first show of the year, Dane McElwee, Trevor Davis, and it's me. It's me. That's right. It's that D-A-V-I-D, David Coyer, and we're ready to go here on the DDT show. Boys, how are you feeling? Are you ready to finally get things underway? I'm very excited. I feel fantastic. I feel fantastic. Chelsea just scored. They're up one nothing. First game of the Champions League. It's a great day to be Trevor Davis. Is it a great day to be Trevor Davis, Trevor? Is it I ever so. a great day to be Trevor Davis? It is. Hey, 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 come on. It is. It is. Hey, we all For love the most each part. other here. We all love each other here. Boys, I'm excited. Everybody love everybody. Yeah, this is going to be exciting. It's good to be back in the swing of things. And just like we used to do, like, like as there is in life, there are winners and losers. And who are we if not some guys to put those winners and losers on display and this weekend there were plenty of winners and losers in the sporting world so what a great way to kick things off on the inaugural episode of the ddt show podcast then to go through some of our winners and losers from this weekend and why not start off with the fun half i mean winners are cool and explaining why they won and why they're successful is cool but let's move to the losers guys i mean like it it's just fun for us students at western illinois university who have never played collegiate or even i mean we're nowhere near professional athletics but we're gonna judge all those people who played collegiate and professional athletics you hey, play club you. baseball hey, stop a, pointing hey, at yourself say, club athlete. i'm a collegiate club athlete actually <laughs> actually, club actually athlete. let let let's actually let's let's uh let's get this right uh, on the table right away um I am also a collegiate athlete. Uh, I pitched uh, in a summer collegiate baseball game. I started on the mound in a summer collegiate. I pitched against a guy who does play baseball in college. I also have an infinite whip, David. You have an infinite whip. I don't want to hear it. I have an infinite ERA as well. So get on my level. We didn't allow any runs. Oh, wait, no. Did that guy score? I I didn't personally allow the run, but the guy who I walked – score oh yeah 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 i I threw five pitches all four of them were balls or four all five of them are balls but four of them were for the the first batter and he ended up scoring shout out zeph hoffpower who uh he's the guy who allowed that run to score after relieving me on the mound uh so he's the reason why i have an infinite era along with actually myself but yeah so i'm a i'm technically a retired collegiate athlete um, no big deal, but anyway, so that's our resumes in terms of collegiate or professional athletics, but let's get to the winners and losers. We have the losers from this weekend, college football, NFL, MLB, uh, 
everything was in full swing first weekend of NFL. Uh, but we, I think, focused a little bit more on the college football side of things, right, Dane? Yeah, that's actually both my winners and losers. My loser was Texas, who I do not love. I know Trevor does not love. They are overrated. Horns down. Sorry, can't say that, actually. No, we're not supposed to say that. So why I picked them as my loser, obviously they lost to Arkansas. Boys, let me ask you this. Is Arkansas a top-tier SEC team? No, they haven't won a conference game in like two years. Yeah, and Texas wants to get into the SEC, but yet they can't even beat one of the bottom-tier SEC teams. They look terrible on Saturday. Arkansas outrushed them 333 to 138. Not even close. Just got manhandled. Texas is starting quarterback. I'm pretty sure I could have had a better QBR. His QBR was 14.9. That's just terrible. And Texas yet wants to go into the SEC, but they can't even win a Big 12 or just a non-conference SEC game. I, I think they're overrated. They're not good enough for the SEC. They look terrible this weekend. They're my loser. Now, put put the other team that's going to be moving to the SEC, put Oklahoma in that game. Do you think Oklahoma has a better shot of winning that game than Texas did? Yes. Undoubtedly. Yes. So out I mean, of the I two think... teams in the, in the next, when, when is the, when, when do they head over to the SEC? What was 2025, 20, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So, yeah. so when, I mean, looking into the future, obviously no one who is currently on the current Oklahoma or Texas teams will be on the teams that are in the SEC in the first five years of joining the SEC, which of those two teams do you think will have the most success? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma they've had more does. success in the last decade. They've just been I a mean, better right now, team. Right now, they've got a much more solid base than yeah. Texas does. Like, I'm sure a lot more people want to go to Oklahoma than they want to go to Texas right now with the state of the program. Now, granted, Texas has like They've got new head coaches coming in and out, so maybe they're starting something. But, I mean, if you're just looking at it right now, Oklahoma's just the better option. Absolutely. No, I totally agree. And, and, and we're going to stick with – Not a winner. And, in fact, that that's what makes them the loser mm-hmm. for your yeah. week one loser yes, game. Look at that. We're back. Um, DDT show is back. Uh, we're going to stick with college football, so we'll move to my loser. Uh, Trevor, he – he went to a totally different sport, so we'll get to him next. But my loser this weekend was uh, was Florida State, the Seminoles. Now, Florida State is a program that has seen its success in the 21st century. They won a net one championship, if I'm not mistaken, just one. Uh, anyway, that's not where I'm getting at. But so they they're they're a they're a prominent program in the ACC conference. And they're trying to get back on that winning track. They've had some struggles in the past couple of years, um, including, well, now back-to-back seasons with 0-2 starts under their new head coach. His name escapes me. I thought I wrote it down. Um, Their head coach right now, back-to-back. Oh, oh, Mike, there it is. Mike Norville. Back-to-back 0-2 starts in his two seasons as head coach at Florida State. But that's not the reason why they're my losers. It's the fact that they gave up a 59-yard touchdown as the clock hits. Again, they're not. But 
a 20 to 17 loss to an FCS program to start off 0-2 after losing in overtime on a field goal to Notre Dame. Now, Florida State, they had the nice comeback against Notre Dame. They had a solid lead against Jacksonville State. Now, Notre Dame, you, you have the Notre Dame loss. That's nothing. Like, that's, okay, you lost in overtime. They were supposed to lose that game to a ranked Notre Dame. It would have been an, a great upset, great comeback. It's, okay, 0-1, whatever. But when, you're, when you pay... Now they paid, this is a guarantee game when you're an FBS program like Florida State and coming in is an FCS program like Jacksonville State, $400,000 for Jacksonville State to come to Tallahassee and you lose to start 0-2. Need I say more? Now last season, after starting 0-2, Mike Norville's Seminoles hosted Jacksonville State and they won 41-24. to to get their first win of the season. Now this season, they're just like, okay, we need this little pick me up to get the rest of the season going so we can try and compete here in the ACC. Nope, they lose their 0-2. I almost think that's a bigger loser than Texas is losing to Arkansas. Oh yeah, I totally agree with you. I was thinking about putting Florida State until I saw that you put it down. I'm not going to take your loser. That's just kind of weird, David. <laughs> we but, can't have the same loser. So, let me ask you this for Florida State going forward. Do you think they start Mackenzie Milton or do they keep riding with their quarterback right now? This is for both. I think, both I think you have to put Milton in because he's a big reason why they came back against Notre Dame. And when you're only putting 17 points in four quarters up against again, and not that FCS programs are necessarily bad. I mean, we've seen this season, I think there's been more FCS wins in these first two weeks uh, against FBS programs that there have been combined in, I forgot how many years it was prior to this. Mm -hmm. So FCS programs are showing that, Hey, we're not just someone you can steamroll over anymore, but it's also, if you're trying to prove, Hey, we're this, we're, we need to be taken seriously. We need to get on the right track. You have to put up more than 17 points. And I think Mackenzie Milton, he's shown that maybe he either just needs to get more playing time or needs to take over that starting role. Trevor, I don't know if you agree or disagree. I don't think I agree. All right. Now, I think Mackenzie Milton's an awesome story. I really wanted him to come back and win that Notre Dame game. But watching that game, I I don't think Mackenzie Milton was really the reason that they came back in that game. Like he made some good throws. He made some good reads, but it was really all in their running back. Like their running game is what kind of got them down the field and got them into kick the field goal or score the touchdown. I don't remember what they did to tie it, but I mean, it was cool to see Mackenzie Milton, but I don't think he was really doing a whole lot in terms of throwing the ball or being an active runner. So I don't, I, I don't necessarily agree that he is the answer to all their problems. So if you had to pick something, then that would help change the culture there. Change what, what have you been seeing that's been going wrong in these two games then? I mean, Notre Dame is just a different, just a different program, I guess, in Jacksonville state. So, I mean, they're going to score points. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like, their original quarterback kept his name escapes me. I can't remember his name right now, but the guy who started kept them in the game for the Notre Dame for the majority of the Notre Dame game. So I don't think it's like his fault necessarily. Like he just, 
he got hurt in the Notre Dame game, and they say with a hot hand. That, that's what you do. Um, but I don't know if there's really anything specific. I'm not a huge like Florida State guy. I'm not watching every single Florida State game, but I don't I don't think it's the quarterback play is the thing that needs to change necessarily. And especially with the way that Florida State lost that Jacksonville State game, it was the defense that gave up a game-ending touchdown. Like, it wasn't all on the quarterback. Like, yeah, you could say the quarterback didn't put up enough points, but if their safety makes that tackle, we're not having this conversation right now. Absolutely. And I, I was reading up on a, a, a Sports Illustrated article yesterday covering it, and basically even the Jacksonville State head coach was just like, was surprised on that last play that – Florida State wasn't playing, you know, preventive defense there. Like they weren't, they weren't playing back. Kind of just playing regular. I did the name of the. it was saying that he'd been shut down all game open and getting that one, but it's, yeah, it's still, that's on Florida state's defense, but some, something has to change, especially after back to back. Oh, and two starts for Florida state, but moving on from college football, we have Trevor Davis, the final loser of this first DDT show episode, Trevor. Now we're recording this on a Tuesday. We were going to record it yesterday on, on a Monday. So that was a, a, we had this all planned out to record yesterday, fresh off the weekend, but we were talking off screen before the show that your loser has somewhat transformed slightly has, has uh, grown in addition, if I may say so. Yeah. So um, originally, originally it was just like the New York Yankees. I just had them written down because they ended up losing two out of three to the Mets uh, over the weekend and then falling out of the wild card spot. So I was like, ah, these guys are losers. They're not in the wild card anymore. Then the Red Sox were like, ha ha, watch this. I'm going to suck even harder. And then lost to the Mariners after <laughs> losing two out of three to the White Sox over the weekend. So now the Red Sox aren't in a playoff position. So it's like a two-pronged losership of who wants to suck harder. Um, I think the Red Sox are currently winning um, in the sucking battle. They lost to the Mariners. Um which I feel are a worse team than the Mets. So there's that. Um, but yeah, it's just, they're losers. Toronto's a big winner because they're very good at baseball now. Um, but yeah, it's like the Yankees, Red Sox, just double loser. Trevor, let me ask you this. Aren't the Mariners, they're in the wild card discussion though. So how, how can of, they be but like also not that? really. Are they, but are they in the, they're in the talks, aren't they? How many, how many games back are they? Like one? One and a half. Uh, they're they're pretty close. Quick, actually, they are we'll pretty answer close. Answer that question. I'm pretty sure it's it's a pretty close. They're, like, they're two games out. They also, so, I mean, as a team, have like a negative 56 run differential. Yeah, I mean you'll have. That. And the guys are, the guys are putting on the mound like are not good. I'm just He's asking because you know I, I've seen that the Mariners. The Mariners are on the uprise as of late. Like, they got back into contention. I didn't know if they were really that bad. Yeah. So, I mean, you're yeah. – so, so, so Dane, what you're really going for is that while, I, while the Red Sox still could be considered losers from this weekend, is it really that bad since they're losing to a team that they potentially should be losing to? 
Yeah, like if it was the Orioles or say like the Pirates or the Tigers, I could understand that a little more than say the Mariners who are two games back of the wild card. And an AL, which is it's how many teams are in contention? They're like six that are like within three games, isn't there? Because the A's are back Something too. like that. Yeah, so it's a pretty yeah, tight race. A's are two so and a half. I, I wouldn't say that they're really – they're ahead of the A's. I thought I thought the Mariners would be a worse team than the A's. I don't know. It's, it's just, a half game. They only had the half game. Hey, but they're still ahead, are they not? So what do you call the A's losers and the Mariners winners? I mean – Just baffled your mind. I just feel like the way the way in which Red Sox the Red Sox have been losing baseball games, the Yankees too. The Yankees like went on like that thirteen game win streak and then started sucking again, and then the Red Sox had a fa- fantastic first half and then decided they were going to be like awful in the second half. Um, but it's just the way they continuously figure out new ways to lose baseball games that baffles me um, as a Red Sox fan. So they're losing games they should have won is basically what I'm trying to say or losing games that they would have won in the first half and that's why I feel they are larger losers I get what you're saying it would have been completely different if we had time yesterday because the Yankees they were losers yesterday because I mean didn't the benches clear Sunday night against the Mets yeah I mean, it's it's been kind of wild it was, for the Yankees. It was just it was Stanton such a door weird, to fight it, each other yeah it wasn't much but it was just such a weird game I, I kept coming in and out of my room um to see just kind of check up on it because one of my roommates had it on in the living room and it was just kind of like I don't know like it was Stanton hit a home run and then he was like mimicking something that Lindor had done early in the game and then Lindor and Baez were like mouthing off and it just seemed like unnecessary chatter between the two teams it's just like it I don't know it was just confusing that whole game or that whole series confused me basically between the Mets and the Yankees it was a cool series it's always a nice rivalry when you're in the same city but we could just all agree the Yankees were losers this weekend the Red Sox have now begun the week contesting their losership Trevor I'm so if sorry that's what you were going for Trevor yeah fair do not wish anyway everybody we're we're getting we're we're getting too depressing now with the losers as fun as that was. Let's get back to some fun. Let's talk about some of the winners from this weekend. It was an exciting weekend just as much as it was exciting to watch some people fail. It was even more exciting to watch others succeed. Trevor, we're going to start with you. Uh back on the gridiron college football big win Saturday afternoon. I'm looking at Danes. We're going to Sundays. That we got we got Sundays. It's Sunday night. So you, know, you want I was me to looking, take it or you want Trevor? No, we're gonna go with Trevor. I was just you All know right. DTD is on the on the the outline, and that's that's on me. But yeah, Trevor, let's get to you Sunday night football. All uh, right. Gotta love so, recorded podcasts, right? Uh, yeah. Um, Matthew Stafford, who went to Georgia in college, you know, if you want to go for that. Uh, but my winner is Matt Stafford, um, because. He's on a good team now, basically. Um, and it's amazing to see just like how happy he is just being on a good team with people that can help him. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It looked really weird. Matthew Stafford in a Rams jersey for the first time. And then on a second pass, he threw like a 50-yard touchdown pass. I'm like, oh, this is normal now. And he ended up with like 300 yards passing and like three touchdowns. The Rams destroyed the Bears, which is always fun to see. Um, but yeah, he just looked – He's a winner because he's on a good team. The Rams 
I mean, after one game, look really, really good. They're doing some cool stuff with Jalen Ramsey, getting him closer to the box, and he's affecting more plays, which I thought was quite interesting. But, yeah, just the Rams and more specifically Matthew Stafford are my winner. Trevor, that's a really good winner. Do you know why else? Why is that? Because Matt Stafford was at the Dodgers game last night. Did you you. know, did you guys know that Matt Stafford and Clayton Kershaw went to high school together? I was, I was just about to ask. I really like knowing when professional athletes, like I love like knowing who their best friends are. Um, It's just kind of a weird like thing that I like to know about some people. And I was about to ask if anybody knew who Matthew Stafford's like high school teammate slash best friend was. Oh, he, yeah. He was watching him last night at the Dodgers game. Yeah. He was so happy that Clayton Kershaw got an infield hit. I saw it on Instagram today. Matthew Stafford and Clayton Kershaw were high school teammates and best friends. Yes. No kidding. No. Yeah. You learn something new every day. Actually, I will will say we watched, we watched the bears game here Sunday night. It was a couple of roommates and I, we tried seeing how many times they would bring that up in the broadcast. They didn't bring it up once, not once. I I think they're becoming, I think the broadcasters are becoming self-aware. Like I think Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth have had so many like, like, or at least Chris Collinsworth already has a meme about him. And like, I feel like, I feel like Al Michaels really just didn't, I feel like they like, they're aware that, it's served up to them on a silver platter and it's just, they're going to, I, when we get to a Rams Monday night football game, ESPN, I think will out of doubt make a graphic and bring it up at least three times uh, on the Monday night football broadcast. Once Matthew Stafford, if it's especially, we have to check, is it the Rams at home in Los Angeles? Cause I guarantee you it will be, Clayton Kershaw will be there and they will make sure that it's a side-by-side with a full screen graphic and everything Mm -hmm. that they went to high school together in Texas. (laughs) I love that. And at that point, America will be the winner because we all will fully know just how (laughs) close Clayton Kershaw and Matthew Stafford were when they were teammates in high school. I personally just love the meme. Like I always tell oh, it's Trevor, awesome. I, I sent him something last night. I was just like, I didn't know they were friends. And he's like, wow, they are. It's just, it's a good running joke. Like I love Anytime it. Anytime someone brings up either Clayton Kershaw or Matthew Stafford around me, I always bring it up. I'm pretty sure I brought it up like almost every show last year. Or even if somebody brings up Los Angeles, I'll still bring it up. <laughs> La- well, you know who plays happens. in Los Angeles? The Dodgers. You know, Clayton Kershaw? Like he- <laughs> Whoa, do you know who plays for the Dodgers? Matt Stafford's best friend. All right, let's get off of this. Let's get anyway. Okay, now we're just okay. We're gonna move to Dane. I'm just gonna do a sloppy transition here. Oh, uh, uh, Trevor, are you done? already? I'm done. Yeah, no, you guys. Right, okay. We're done talking about Clayton Kershaw's best friend. I'm. I'm good. <laughs> Dane, Dane, I, uh, I already did your intro before for Trevor, so just take it away. Well, so I'm sure both of you could agree with my winner. It's Oregon because they just. They beat Ohio State, who was number Just three the in the state nation. of Oregon itself, or like something. Oregon football. I'm so sorry. You said they had a big win on Saturday. You took my introduction. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. It's hey guys. It's our first podcast show today. Like, give us a break. Like, we're, we're getting. Did you know it's our first rhythm. podcast episode today? Oh like, really? Yeah. You know who? Have, never mind. So, uh, <laughs> Oregon football. They were ranked number twelve coming into Ohio. Beat Ohio State, number three in the nation. Just beat them 35-28. 
just they look good. They outrushed them 269 to 128. Just their defense could not stop them. This was Ryan Day's first regular season loss as a coach. And Oregon made the jump up to four. I think they're also winners because if you look at the rest of their schedule, besides UCLA, they have nobody. We could see Oregon possibly make the college football playoffs for the first time since 2015 or 14. Sorry. That's my winner. It, it just, it, it, it overall looked like just an absolute great game played by Oregon and Ohio state didn't, they just didn't look like the Ohio state of old. It you couldn't run the when ball. you watch you Ohio state play. No, you just, it, it, and when you watch Ohio state in previous years, I mean, it just, it was pure utter dominance. Like it's like you, you knew going into the game, Ohio state was going to win and they proved right away. We're winning this game. Like it, it, there were, was rarely ever a doubt, at least during the regular season, obviously playoffs is, is um, occasionally a different story, but it, and yeah, it, I just didn't get that uh, on Saturday against Oregon. And we'll go, we'll go deeper into this uh, about your, your winner and my winner. We both have more extended segments, Dane, coming up. So uh, we'll get to that a little bit more down the road with Ohio State. Uh, moving on, final winner of the winners and losers segments, mine, and we'll just kind of take it, run it straight into that second segment of ours. But uh, the Milwaukee Brewers are my winner. And they didn't play last night, so they're still, you know, riding high. And I'm going to keep them my winner. The Brewers had a heck of a weekend, swept the Cleveland Indians, uh, won another series. That was their fourth straight series win. Uh, their last series loss came last weekend of August, the 27th or the 29th. They went one and two against the Minnesota Twins. Since then, they have taken every series since then. They're seven and three in their last 10 games. Craig Timber is rolling. Craig Council and the Brewers are having a heck of just a couple weeks span. And Adrian Hauser gets a complete game shutout against the Cardinals. What was that? Last week, last weekend, last Sunday. Uh, you have Daniel Vogelbach's walk-off grand slam against the Cardinals. And then the reason the Milwaukee Brewers are more specifically right now my winner is what happened Saturday. You had a combined no-hitter. Just the second no-hitter. Go Brewers. Forgot I was wearing this the second no hitter in franchise history first one since april 15th 1987 but this one was a combined no hitter between corbin burns and josh Hader. and again we'll dive into that we'll we'll dive into the no hitter in just a moment um but what's also just awesome about the closing out this weekend for the brewers as of yesterday their magic number was at five and this is their magic number not just to make the playoffs it's their magic number to win the NL Central. It is November, not November, excuse me, September 14th today. Dane, you have been a lifelong Brewers fan just like myself. When is the last time on September 14th we could say the Brewers were five games away from clinching the NL Central? Never. And also, they've never, never been, like, what is it, like 34 games over 500? That's what they're at right now? They're at a, they're oh at a franchise high of over 500. Yeah. They have the, they're on pace to beat their 2011 and 2018 single season wins, which is 96. 96. 96. And so 
this is just a different team. The pitching is there. The fielding is there. The hitting can occasionally be shaky. At, the pitching can be shaky at times too. But for the most part, I mean, four straight series, seven and three in the last 10 games. Now, the Giants just clinched a playoff spot last night. Um, they were Their magic number going into yesterday was two. Uh, but last night, they clinched a playoff spot. They have not clinched the NL West yet. They're still in that race with the Padres and the Dodgers. But so, that I mean, they still haven't clinched. The closest magic number to a division winner, obviously, this is when I did my notes yesterday. Yesterday, the Rays were 11. Their magic number was 11 to win the AL East. The Brewers were five, which is the lowest. That's insane. Like the Brewers don't have the best record in the national league, but this team, it's just, everyone's been saying it's special. You look on Twitter, you look at non Brewers fans, you look at just kind of national baseball media. They're just like, this is a special Brewers team and it's a team to watch. And this weekend, the pitching proved it, the hitting proved it. Uh, I mean, it was a 3-0 game on Saturday, but the other two games, I think uh, Sunday was what, 11-1, to something like that? I think 11-2. It's just, and then, yeah. Most of the time, if the pitching can't pick it up, the offense does. If the offense is struggling a little bit, typically you have a pitcher who can go six innings or five and a third innings or something like that, and they just look good, and they're my clear-cut winner this weekend. And also... So I'm going to toot my own horn because we're, we're Brewers fans, but the Brewers when playing the Dodgers and the Padres do not have a, they have a winning record. So those are the two best teams in the national league. Padres have, or not Padres, sorry. Hey, the Giants have respect 90, on the Giants. The Giants. The the Gi- Gi- that's what I'm saying. The Giants. Sorry. The Giants have 94 wins and the Dodgers have 92. So that's, those are the two top teams. And then the Brewers come in with 89. Against those top two teams, the Brewers have not lost the series and have a winning record against the two top teams. That's something that we, as Brewer fans, have not seen. I, I've never seen it in my lifetime. David, I know you probably haven't either because we're basically the same age. Just a complete... Trevor, do you want to put it all? Or any, I mean, any comments? I think it's interesting just how far away they've gotten because like the a or nl central excuse me is always like a competitive division like i don't want to say it's a good division because like sometimes the winner of that division has like 84 wins and then makes their way to the playoff it's always a very competitive division so with the brewers to kind of run away with the division in the way they have um i mean they've obviously been playing like their best baseball and i didn't really expect them to be like miles ahead of this division like they kind of are which is just it's just interesting to see i suppose and we're just gonna i'm gonna move this just straight into that next uh segment and basically so we're talking about the no hitter and it was a combined no hitter corbin burns pitched eight innings 115 pitches which was a career high 14 strikeouts uh which was one away from his career high which he set earlier this season 15 strikeouts in a single game but he had 14 the only reason he did not have a perfect game was in uh, the leadoff hitter in the seventh inning. Uh, he walked. Again, I mentioned before, first Brewers no hitter since April 15th, 1987, Juan Nieves. Uh, uh, hey, Dane, did you know that uh, Bill Schroeder caught that game? I actually did, yeah. Yeah, no, that was 
that's kind of that's more of just kind of a Milwaukee. Like I feel like yeah. I hear that all the time because it's like, oh no hitter. Oh, do you know Bill Schroeder caught yeah. that? Yeah. Sorry, that's a little Milwaukee joke. You got to know but, about Rock. But what I think I've seen the most on Twitter, or just in reaction to it, I've seen I've seen nothing but support from Brewers fans everywhere. Non-Brewers fans, nothing but support. Now there is a select amount of Brewers fans who I have seen on social media and it just baffles me. They're just like angry at Craig council for pulling Corbin Burns out. And in the post-game interview, Corbin Burns even said he had to argue to get in for the eighth inning and 115 pitches, a career high for him in a single game. I mean, 115 pitches, you don't see pitchers throwing that anymore especially this late in the season um so i'm gonna ask you guys and it's, it's really a simple i mean it's kind of a simple answer and i know you i know how you two think usually so i think i know where your guys are um will will answer do you think it was the right decision for craig council to pull corbin burns out when he did yeah quite simply I'm gonna, yeah i'm gonna say yes because it's september if it was say May or June, then I'd say try it. Absolutely, no, absolutely, and and, and and not to steal your thunder or anything, but I mean it, it, it is because it's September. You don't want. I mean, and, and the reason I keep saying 115 pitches is because that's where you start worrying about potential injury. And Corbin Burns has proven that he's the ace of this Brewers team. He's, I mean, and there's that's even debatable because there's three of them who could be considered quite possibly an ace Corbin Burns, I think is the front runner out of the three, Freddie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns to potentially be the Cy Young winner. Now, Max Scherzer also had a stellar outing this weekend. He's also been having a stellar season. So it's not like Corbin Burns is a clear cut front runner for the Cy Young award, but that's a different debate for a different time. But Injury is the most important thing. And I think that's just what people aren't seeing is I'd rather have a Brewers World Series championship than a Corbin Burns September, no meaning, like I wouldn't say meaningless, but for the most part, a meaningless no hitter at that point. It doesn't benefit the Brewers other than the fact that it was a win. Yeah. And I mean, you got Josh Hader coming out of the pen anyway. Like dude just doesn't, give up hits regardless so I mean I feel like you're pretty safe in that regard even if you're like really want the no hitter like it's not like you're throwing some average Joe out there to be like all right go get him I mean you got you got Josh Hader coming out of the pen so it's I'm, you're relatively safe in that regard anyway yeah I I mean I agree with both of you saying I actually until you said it David I didn't know that he had to argue with Craig Council to get out there I didn't watch post game interview but if, if he has to argue to get out in the eighth, what makes you think that he's going to go out in the ninth? You'll have to get and into a ar- fist argue fight isn't, to go out the ninth. Yeah. Argue isn't necessarily the right word. It isn't the word he used. He did say he had to fight to get out there. So, you know, he had okay. to, like, convince the coaching staff. Okay, um, but, I mean, and I, I know, yeah, Dane, you were you were busy watching um, the, the Western Illinois football game. Um, so you weren't able to see at least that eighth to ninth inning transition. I, it, I did watch it. But yeah, it was, so it was Craig and like two other coaches by Corbin in the dugout 
it looked like the calmest conversation I have ever seen in a situation like this. Like it, Corbin was just like, yeah, no, like I get it. And like, he was Brandon Woodruff came over and literally the two of them were just joking around. Like, it's just like, yes, I think Corbin even, and that's the thing why when fans are getting angry, it's just like, if you watch it, Corbin literally said he was the first person to run out of the dugout to grab Josh Hader. Like it was cool. And, uh, but then on top of the people were mad at Craig council, one thing I've also been seeing, and this is kind of the second part of what I wanted to get to is it was a combined no hitter. Now you have in nowadays, there's been a few uh, more. I mean, there's been more combined no hitters than what there used to be. In fact, um, but prior to 1965 in the MLB, there was just one combined no hitter. Everything else was just uh, people by themselves. Um, uh, five combined no hitters since 2018. So uh, like they're becoming more and more. Uh, there was even one earlier this season by the Cubs, Zach Davies, um, Ryan Tapera, Andrew Chafin, I think, and Craig Kimbrell, June 24th. Uh, there was, so there was, there's been combined no hitters. Do you guys think that a combined no hitter has the same level of, what's the word I'm looking for? Like it, it's on the same level as a normal no hitter. Like it's the same accomplishment as a, a person getting a no hitter by themselves. I don't think it's as cool. I mean, like it's cool. Like a no hitter, but like when you have another person there, like it's not as cool, you know, like. I personally no hitters like they're cool but I don't think they're like as cool as they were before you know because there were like nine this year so they're kind of they're kind of losing that that spunk you know so I, that's that's just my two cents yeah I think I definitely agree with Trevor I think just somebody going out there and throwing nine complete innings like that's the thing like they went through the pitch count like say I mean it's awesome if you see like Oh, he threw 127 pitches with a no hitter. Yeah, his arm shot, but he went the whole distance. That's the thing. Like, I'm not saying that I wanted Corbin Burns to go out and throw his arm out. I'm not. I, I don't want that to happen. I'm a Brewers fan. So, I mean, it, I don't think it means as much. I, I don't know. I, I slightly disagree. I think a no hitter is a no hitter. Whether it, I, I mean, I see your guys's point where it's if you have one guy who goes out there, he goes nine innings and faces guys who he's never, he didn't allow a single, um, didn't allow a single hit. Like, obviously that's spectacular. That's a great accomplishment. I don't think it takes, I, th I think more it's, if it's a combined no hitter, I think it's on the same level. If it's just two pitchers, I mean, that, that cup was one. There were four pitchers that it took to do a combined no hitter. That's not necessarily like that's still, I think it's still an elite accomplishment, especially for the four of them, because it's, it's hard to come in and keep a team hitless still. Cause even Josh Hader uh, went on and saying that he was just scared that when he came in, in the ninth inning, that he was going to ruin that he, ru he was going to ruin eight innings of great work by Burns by giving up a hit in the ninth inning. So, but I think when you have four, I think it still just takes it away. If you have your starter go seven innings of no hit baseball, but you're, you know, it's late in September, you're wanting to take him out because you don't want him to get hurt for the postseason. And then you have a relief pitcher come in and go two, three innings, or even just a single inning. I think that is still 
impressive in itself. Um, so I don't think, and Trevor, I kind of disagree with you as well on that. They're not that special. Yes, there were nine this season, but it's still, I think it's still just super entertaining to watch because they're still rare. I mean, there's how many games played throughout a season. I mean, that's what a hundred, uh, 62 times 30 um and necessarily because you got teams playing each other and you can't count those games twice you know math is hard well no 162 for each team you're looking at their pitching staffs individually and then still times third so you still have that many instances you get what you get what i'm saying yeah yeah i I thought you just meant games no but like but then you still just have nine instances of no hits i still think it's a great accomplishment obviously perfect game is still up there because there's just been less than 30 perfect games in the over 100 years of baseball and that's an understatement obviously um but yeah now one more one more thing before we before we move on to the next one one little side note now with this year where you have double headers where it's just two seven inning games we've seen two instances if i'm not mistaken of a of a complete game no hitter in one of those seven inning double header games i know the one that i can think of off the top of my head madison Baumgartner had one mm-hmm. earlier this season what are your guys' thoughts on those do those still count as no hitters is there an asterisk next to a no hitter or uh is it just nothing good for you you went seven innings of no hit baseball i don't know i mean it doesn't i don't really care all that much um i feel like it's like hey good for you you went seven innings but it still doesn't count because i mean like there have been no hitters that have gone into extra innings and guys have lost it in like the 10th or 11th and those don't count so i mean i feel like you got to go full nine innings before like a full regulation baseball game before you can have a no hitter yeah that's basically what i was going to say i feel like you have to go a full nine innings to at least be able to be counted as a no hitter on on record yeah like i do agree like i agree with you guys like to the fact that recognized by baseball yes it's um i think you have to go nine but i think it's still quite the accomplishment and i think it should get more publicity than I think. Yeah. I mean, I know mad bums didn't get that much publicity because people just like, okay, he went seven. Heck this guy went seven innings and no hit baseball. He lost his on the last batter. Like it. So I think, I think uh, it's less, but I still think it's an incredible accomplishment um, and it still should be recognized. Um, We're doing things differently here on the DDT show. Last year when we were on the radio show, I kind of transitioned everything and I led every single discussion or whatever but how we're doing it is everyone gets to pick their own little segment of the show and then they get more talking time because even though you guys probably love hearing my voice just since we already somewhat touched upon it and said we were going to touch on it later dane we're going to go back to that Oregon Ohio State game and uh, just talk about that a little bit, huh? So, as all of you listeners will figure out, and if you listened last year, I love college football. Can't wait for the video game to be back. I know Trevor's in my shoes too, like one of the greatest games. 
just ready for it. But I love college football. Every Saturday, got to watch college football. David, I don't know. Do you play video games? Like, no, I don't David, you don't love college football. Yeah. Do you? Do you play? Hey, I literally games? would ask you if I could use your PlayStation to play your college football game because I didn't have mine here. Well, no. jokes on you. It's on your Xbox. Xbox, not your PlayStation. Your Xbox. I forgot David, you had can, your 360. Sorry, David. I can barely remember what I did yesterday. You think I can remember what happened a year ago? Yeah, because right. we literally no. were just talking about what you said on the show last year. Guys, let, let me figure it out, Dane. Whoa, hey, 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 hey. Yelly, as Trevor said earlier. So going back to what David said, we're going to talk about the Oregon-Ohio State. So I'm going to ask you two something. With Ohio State losing to Oregon over the weekend, do you guys give me your opinion? I know there's a bunch of hypotheticals we could go through. I'd take a bunch of time because I did that with a buddy of mine yesterday. Do you think with Ohio State losing yesterday or Saturday, sorry, there's a chance that the Big Ten is still represented in the college football playoffs? I think there's Absolutely. definitely a chance. Hey, hey, it's a discussion, guys. I mean, Don't yell at me. I'm just saying it's it's better for them that they lost like earlier in the year. But I think we've seen a lot more that the committee doesn't penalize you for losses earlier in the year as opposed to losing like right before the um, college football playoff, assuming your conference championship game is it one, like one versus two. Um, but those losses earlier in the year don't generally seem to impact uh, decisions as much. Um, and I think it also helps that it's Oregon because undoubtedly the Pac-12, we've seen it every single year, will find a way to sabotage themselves and keep themselves out of the college football playoff. So, and Ohio state's also got like that name recognition, like they've been there before and like it or not, that plays that plays a part in um, the committee's decision. Like that's why Cincinnati, like, like Cincinnati, like they, they'll be like top six. They're never going to crack the top four. I don't think unless something absolutely catastrophic happens at the top, but I don't think I think there's still a decent chance that um, they're represented. I don't think it's like a zero chance, but I don't think it's a great chance either. But I mean, even like Iowa, like we saw Iowa, they're up to like five right now. So, so I was just about to ask whether you, or not, say, do you think just Ohio State's going to represent them? Yeah. So like, like whether or not Iowa is actually like truly the number five team in the nation remains to be seen. But I still think they're is maybe like a backup plan is if Ohio state can't figure it out. Well, and I mean, so like Dane, you asked the good point of like, well, or, or, I mean, Trevor was kind of focusing on Ohio state there, but then of course you bring up Iowa as well. Cause I think what the nation in general and the college football fan community has kind of come to over the years is that Ohio state is the big 10 team. The Ohio state is the big 10 team, which I mean, they're not necessarily wrong. There's not necessarily wrong because, I mean, no other – well, one other Big Ten team has made the college football playoff um, other than Ohio State since the college football playoff became a thing. But if you look at Ohio State's – the rest of Ohio State's schedule, right – currently right now with how the top 25 is, they just have, they have two more games against top 25 teams. Now, if Ohio State wins out the rest of the season – 
and they make it to the Big Ten championship, they well, A, they'd have to go through Penn State and Michigan. So, I mean, that will basically get that. If they win out, they'll make it to the Big Ten championship. And if they win the Big Ten championship again, no doubt in my mind that they're in the college football playoff at that point. Uh, but then you look at Penn State. Penn State looked great against – well. most impressive win but still a big win for them but next week they're playing 20 number 22 auburn so they have that they have a game against iowa on october 9th um, a game against ohio state on october 30th and then a game against michigan so right now on their schedule they have four ranked teams left on their schedule if penn state can win out penn state's that representative of the big 10 so you got them as the chance and as trevor mentioned iowa Iowa looked really good against Iowa State. So getting that early win against a ranked opponent always looks good. And I think with Ohio State as well, with their loss, it's to a ranked opponent. It was to a top 10 opponent. Now, if Oregon can kind of stay up there in the top 10, that makes Ohio State's loss look that much better. Because it's not like it was a blowout. It was 35-28. It's a touchdown. Like So it's not like they were blown out. It was a loss to a top 10 opponent. I think there's plenty of other teams that are there that will allow the big 10 still to be represented. Now there's been those years where you've had, you know, a top eight team or two top eight big 10 teams lose because they shot themselves in the foot. Like Wisconsin was that number four spot and then they lost to Ohio state and then Ohio state got left out on the fringe because they had two losses that season. So unless one of these teams unless the big 10 blows up from the inside again where everyone is beating everyone i which i don't really necessarily see that happening i think penn state or ohio state will come out with only one loss on the season um iowa i don't see iowa having more than one loss this season if at all, because I mean, I think their toughest opponents coming up are going to be Penn State and Wisconsin. And based yep. on how Wisconsin has been playing, I don't necessarily see Wisconsin proving that they can beat Iowa this year. So I think their toughest battle is going to be against Penn State. Uh, so honestly, if if it's not Penn State or Ohio State, it's going to be Iowa. So I don't know about you guys, but I love I love hypotheticals. Let me ask you one. So, say Ohio State finishes the season with one loss. Do you take a one-loss Alabama or Georgia? Because they're going to have to play each other in the SEC championship. Do you take one of them, or do you take the Big Ten winner, Ohio State? If Ohio State wins, hypothetical, hypothetical. So, loser of the SEC championship or winner of the Big Ten championship? Are you saying to make the top four and make the playoffs? Yes, yes. So are we just assuming that it that the ACC champion is in there? Like I mean, yeah, I'm gonna say Clemson's in there. Yeah. Okay, so it's okay. Um, so take the loser of the the SEC championship with one loss, and take the Big Ten championship or the Big Ten champion who also has one loss. Is that what you're yes. saying? Yeah, yeah. Which one do you put in over the other? If it's Ohio State, I take Ohio State. Okay. Because again, what I said before. 
their one loss was to a ranked Oregon by a touchdown. Cause I don't see Oregon falling out of the top 25 at all this season. Like I just don't see that happening. So it'll still be to a top 25 team. And so if it's Ohio state, it, it's Ohio state all the way. Like there's no doubt in my mind. Um, honestly, same with Penn state. If it's a one loss Penn state, that one loss probably is to Ohio state or Iowa, which again is not the worst loss. So um, yeah, if it's a one-loss Big Ten team, a one-loss Big Ten champion, one-loss Big Ten champion, because most of the time when the Big Ten champion gets in, it's with, I mean, Ohio State hasn't been perfect going into the playoffs in recent memory. Didn't they have a loss last year? No. Okay. Well, They've been perfect uh, the last two years. And last year was a COVID year, so I'm not even really going to necessarily count that as a. It, it still was an undefeated season. I'm not discrediting that, but yeah, okay. So they were perfect the year, but yeah, no. But I still take a one-loss Big Ten team over a. I mean, and as the saying goes, "Por qué no las dos?" Why can't you have the one-loss SEC loser and then the one-loss Big Ten champion? Yeah. Well, for me, I think it depends. Like, like Alabama and Georgia will play in the SEC championship game, obviously. And I think that the, like, I'm, I'm just assuming Alabama's number one because that's just probably how it's going to be because they're Alabama. Um, but I feel like if Georgia loses, what I'm envisioning in my brain right now is like Georgia sitting around the number four spot. So like, why would, you're basically saying the championship game doesn't matter if you put Georgia in. It's like you had your shot to beat the team that you're going to end up playing. You didn't beat them. Why do we give you another shot in college football playoffs? So that's where I think um, Ohio State or whoever slides in from the Big Ten where it's like, hey, maybe these guys have a shot. So that's that's what I think about that. So I love hypotheticals. Just figure it out ask. Well, that was a, yeah, no, I mean, and, and that's the thing. It's so early in the college football season, college football. It, it doesn't matter until your team has two losses or it's middle of November. Like it, it, it cause, and that's the thing I, I like, I love the AP poll, but the fact that the college football playoff then uses its own rankings so like whenever those start coming out beginning of November or whatever, or middle of November, then it's just like, okay, why are we getting both of these? Cause most of the time they're the same. Sometimes you'll have people in different spots or whatever. It's just like for the college football playoff, like obviously you can't get rid of the AP poll, but it's just like, then just use their rankings, like, or send some of your people where they get the input on that. I don't, I, I don't know. I've always hated that there's two separate rankings by the end of the season for college football, but I digress. Again, that's a conversation for another time and we don't have that much time to talk about that. And so that's when we're going to get to probably my favorite, my favorite, my favorite Davis. Uh Oh, my, it says your microphone is in. Oh no. Okay. I thought I unplugged something and I got concerned. We were having technical issues, but anyway, my favorite, part of the show it's the trevor davis segment hosted by what just happened you just lose your microphone you sound different guys guys i hear you something got unplugged and i don't know why 
I'm back. Oh, so anyway, right. let's just get to Trevor's segment. All right. <laughs> After that, um, what a transition. Um, we'll rock right now. David, why'd you have to do that? Um, but moving from college football to the NFL, um, being a Packers fan, as I know you are, uh, me and David both are, um, they looked awful on Sunday. It looked dreadful. Sugar coated. What a, that was terrible. That was one of the worst performances I've ever seen out of Aaron Rodgers. Really just the team as a whole. The offensive line couldn't block. Uh, Aaron Jones, I just didn't give him the ball at all. Um, yeah, I just, it was really concerning, at least for me. Um, I know Aaron just sucks in Florida for God knows what reason. Um, but like, do you guys think this is like indicative of a bigger problem or do we worry? Dane? Uh, let me go first. So I'm not, I'm not a Packer fan like you guys. I've had experience losing a lot my, my lifetime being a Bears fan. It's one game. It's one game. The last team that won or lost to the Saints 38-3 won the Super Bowl. You guys still have 16 more games. Relax. As Aaron said, what? I don't even know what year was that 2010 when he said that 2014 relax guys there's still a lot of time left Aaron Rodgers will have his one bad game he's a good quarterback you all know that that's why you all were so scared he was gonna leave David I'll let you take this year Packers fan I'll just kind of sit in the sidelines I mean I people all summer long all summer long, I got asked by everybody. It's just like, so are you scared that Aaron's not coming back? It's just like, no, he's coming back. Like, I got no problem. But for me, it was, I'm just sick of the drama at this point. Like, I'm sick of the drama associated with him. Because it's, he, he, he's being just a prima donna. He's a great quarterback. And don't get me wrong. I will forever love everything that he has ever done for this franchise. And I will miss him dearly if he ever like well after this season he's going to be gone but that's neither here nor there um but it's again like dane you said it best it's one game now there are still many things that need to be fixed i.e the entire defense per usual and b i mean trevor you already brought it up i have clearly what my off air what my viewpoint is so let me kindly uh give it to you two again and the people listening i thought that was the dumbest offseason move that the packers made was re-signing aaron jones for the sole purpose that in terms of re-signings of stud running backs after their you know breakout seasons how many years after that have there been actual successful years for a running back after they get their max contracts? Todd Gurley did not have a good year. Uh, that's well, that's the only one that's really come to my mind right Zeke. now. Um, Zeke, Zeke was plagued by some injuries. Uh, I think uh, didn't David Johnson didn't he resign for a big one and then I'm pretty sure he again? did. He's and then the, he's in Houston. The only one that I can think of. Didn't Derrick Henry just recently re-sign? And he's still a stud. Uh, oh, but it's just like, 
it's just it, whatever and it, it's but it's aaron jones i just think that because i'm a big guy i played d-line in high school i love the battle in the trenches between offensive line and defensive line. I've always been the guy because in youth football, I played O-line and I remember I never like, you know, as an offensive lineman, you're not necessarily there for the spotlight. You're just there for the people who know that play didn't happen because of you because you're either protecting the quarterback or getting the absolute necessarily block that is needed. A.J. Dillon proved last year that he was a great number two back and that he had the potential to be a good number one back. Aaron Jones obviously had a stellar year, but that was while he, I, I think watching him, I think he had a great year, but I don't think he had the skills necessarily to be like an Adrian Peterson where he can make stuff happen or a Marshawn Lynch where he can make stuff happen. I think he relied more on, benefiting from a, a great offensive line who was that offensive line anchored by the number one center in professional football Corey Lindsley and the number one left tackle David Bakhtiari and then a great rest of the line as well well now all the money that went to Aaron Jones who in five carries had nine yards on line that did not look good at all due to an injury by David Bakhtiari and a Corey Lindsley-less offensive line since he's with the Chargers now. I just, I think that's what made me upset the most is the fact that the running game wasn't there. And I think that's due to the fact that the offensive line is not the Packers offensive line of old. And I, well, Aaron Rodgers, he'll figure it out. Like he's a veteran he knows what he needs to work on unless he's having some conspiracy where he's just purposely looking bad. So the Packers will get rid of him, which I think that's preposterous, but I think it's more, I think they need to focus on the money that went to their running back who now doesn't have an offensive line to run behind and doesn't have a defense to prevent the other team from scoring. And I think that's where that money could have gone. So that kind of took your, should I be worried and moved it to my own little side story. So I hope that answered your question, Trevor. I mean, yeah, sure. Kind of. I've always been on, like, I don't, like, I like Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is great. Love that guy. Big fan. But I don't think you need to pay running backs. Like you don't, you just, you just don't pay running backs. Like that's just, that's the thing. Don't pay running backs. And they paid a running back and I don't know. Hopefully he's the exception to the rule. We'll find out. But uh, there were also other games that happened on Sunday, believe it or not. Um, the world does not revolve around the Green Bay Packers. And uh, one of the things I want to talk about is staying in the state of Florida uh, was Trevor Lawrence's debut and just how not great the Jaguars as a whole looked against the Texans. So Trevor Lawrence and just kind of Urban Meyer, they came out, they threw like 51 times with the guy, which I think is just absolutely absurd for a rookie quarterback, even if it is Trevor Lawrence in his first game. So he had like 350 yards. Like you just look at the stats, like, wow, he had a really good game, but not really because they threw it like 51 times and ended up losing by just an absurd amount to the Texans. So I just, I want to know, like, what do you guys think about uh, Urban Meyer, wrinkles, and Trevor Lawrence analysts analytics in there as well? 
David, do you want to start or do you want me to? I mean, I was giving you the look like I wanted you to start, so, but since I'm talking now, might as well sure. go. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, no, you started talking about it in the radio stage. Like we had a non-verbal who's down pat. Now we're online and it's just a little weird. Um, I think Urban Meyer is in a similar situation to how his legendary collegiate counterpart, Nick Saban, was in when he was in the NFL. I think, or even Chip Kelly is another example. I think there are football coaches who work and it's just, it's, it's almost just like collegiate basketball as well. There's like, you have a coach who it works at the collegiate level. Cause you're still kind of developing people into their full next level potential where once you get to that next level, while you're still developing a player, it's a different style. Now I haven't seen urban Meyer coach Trevor Lawrence or coach the Jaguars. Uh, but just from, you know, previous experience. Nick Saban was not a successful head coach in the NFL. Chip Kelly was not a successful coach in the NFL. They were, Nick Saban has proven he's basically, I'll say it, the greatest college football coach of all time. Chip Kelly, while he still hasn't gotten back to his, you know, peak Oregon days, UCLA is not a terrible football team. Uh, I saw, I saw something, I, I think it was on Twitter or Instagram, with the USC coaching position now open. I saw a suggestion, Urban Meyer should resign from his Jacksonville position and go take the USC job because he'd have more success there. While that's, again, far-fetched, it, it would make sense. Is it going to happen? No. Do I think it should happen? No. It would make sense. And I think it's just... I think Urban and I'm not a big college basketball guy, but I know there was that um, the old Michigan basketball coach, John Beeline, who went to the NBA. What was he went to the Cavs. Cavaliers? Yeah, yeah. John Beeline. I mean, those players complained about him because he was coaching them like they were college players. Again, I'm, football is a completely different sport, and I'm not saying that that's what's happening, but it's just a different style. And I think Urban just needs to. Anyway, Gainesville? you know what I'm saying. Gainesville? You know what I'm saying. Like it's just he needs to he needs to get to that next level mentality and utilize and guide Trevor to that next level step to make him the good great NFL quarterback that he's destined to be. So what I'll say is I I was much like you guys. I was at the soccer game on Sunday, so I really didn't get to watch much. I just got to look at the stats. As I said to you guys about the Packers, it's one game. Watch next game. He could go That's maybe it. throw fourteen passes. Who, who knows? Like we don't. We're not Urban. I'm not Urban Meyer. I know you guys aren't. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing this. You guys would be supporting. Are you sure. Me. Yeah. So <laughs> we we don't know what's going on with Urban Meyer. Like we we do not know. It it could be a completely different game plan the next game. Like who they were playing the Texans, right? Yeah. Yeah. Texans aren't a great football team. Maybe. Urban Meyer I thought mean, they could just tear apart the secondary. They're not a great defense. Come on. They got Tyrod Taylor, though. Man will manage the greatest 
quarterback what position, of football teams. What, what position does he play on defense? Oh, I was just saying, like you said, the Texans. Oh, there's, there's my, there's my point. I said defense. I did not say Texans. I said right, whatever. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, I don't Tyron have Taylor. Much to consider. Tyron Taylor is like the best worst quarterback ever. Like, dude will come in, win your awful football team like two, three games they shouldn't, and then just dip. I think Ryan so, Fitzpatrick would like to have a word with you, Trevor. Oh, that's a good. That is a good one. That is that's so, a very very good. Trevor, one. L- let me ask you a question. How many picks did Tyrod Taylor have on Sunday? On defense, zero. Oh, oh yeah. See, I'm. Ta- I was talking about defense, not Tyrod Taylor. Thank you. All right, whatever. Case closed. Uh, well, before we. I mean, they, they live in the same house. So before Tre- Dane disappears from his screen to go strangle Trevor in the other room, <laughs> uh, I think this is a natural closing point for the first episode of the DDT show. Thank you for joining us. Let us know what you thought. You know, we're just kind of, we're experimenting. We're trying to see what works best. Obviously we're not in the radio station anymore, but uh, really, let us know what you think. <laughs> Ever. He's I, trying I, to make it out of not, the That's not the radio station. That's not the dog studio. You're in your room. No. <laughs> anyway, uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter. Stay up to date at the DDT show on Twitter. Uh, we got that. We're going to try and stay active on social media. Uh, you can find us. We're on Spotify and Google Podcasts, and we're on YouTube. We will tweet out all three of those links with every release of the show. Hopefully we have a link tree on our Twitter, uh, in our bio, make sure to click on that. Um, but stay up to date. We have some schedule changes, so we will most likely be releasing episodes on Friday. That one is kind of set in stone. It's just a matter of when we record those. So they might be coming out late afternoon Fridays, or if we record them Thursday nights, we'll just get those posted early Friday mornings. Um, but otherwise, instead of releasing on Mondays, we will most likely be doing what we're doing today and releasing Tuesday evenings uh, or afternoons. So make sure you just, again, follow us on Twitter. We'll keep you updated with that uh, at the DDT show. And we'll see you later this week for our first Friday episode of the DDT show. Uh, but for now, you've listened to the first episode. Tell us what you think. Tweet at us. Or if you know us personally, just message us or whatever. Tell us what you'd like to think. Uh, give us a call. I know I had somebody do that. They called me and told me what they thought of our trailer. Uh, but, yeah, that's Trevor Davis, Dane McElwee. I'm David Coyer. Well, that's TDD. If you got David, Dane, and Trevor, it's DDT. Uh, we'll see you next time on the DDT Show. Bye, everybody. Bye.